may be seated. I encourage you to join me now in taking your Bibles and turn with me to our passage for this morning. We find Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. So Colossians 1, 15 through 23. We will focus mainly on verse 16, but we want to look at it within its context as well. We have just come out of a nine-month study of the book of Nehemiah. Now, we ended up a few weeks ago. So this morning, even though it's hot and humid outside, we're going to turn our attention to what will be our, our fall series of what is the church. So Lord willing, that the plan is we're going to use this series to look at the church from, from several biblical angles to help us better understand more about this thing we call church. We're all familiar with the idea, we're all familiar with the place, but we want to understand it more better and deeper. We understand what is the church? What does God say is the church? What's the mission of the church? What, what are we supposed to do? Then what happens when the church doesn't know who she is and what she's supposed to do? Well, what happens to churches like that? And so our goal for this fall is to look at that from those different angles. And so we begin this morning by turning to Paul's letter to the Colossian church, chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. So as we prepare to read God's word and look at it together, we pray for us again. We pray to you, our, our good God and Father, asking that you would forgive all of our faults and offenses and illuminate us by your Holy Spirit so we may have the true understanding of your Holy Word. Give us your grace. That grace we need to handle it purely and faithfully for the glory of your holy name and for the edification of this, your church, and for our salvation. We ask these things in the name of the only and blessed Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So Colossians 1, we'll look at verses 15 through 23, focus on verse 16. But let's stand together now for the reading of God's word. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things are created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith. Stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. You may be seated. If a non-believer or a non-churchgoer were to come to you and ask you, what is the church? And this is a, a genuine, curious, insightful question. This isn't trying to poke and aggravate, but, but a genuine question, inquisitive. What is the church? How would you answer them? How would you define for them what is the church? 
How do you define it for yourself? Over a cup of coffee, at a ball game, on a walk, somebody says to you, what is the church? What do you think of that? And how would you answer that? And take a moment to gather your thoughts on that. This is important how we think we would answer how we would answer that. <clears throat> because on a on a side note, we may have never been asked that question. We live in the South. Everybody at least knows what the church is, if not goes to it occasionally. But I believe with how times are changing, and our society is becoming not only more secularized, but more polarized, especially against Christianity. It's only a matter of time before maybe you are asked that question at work or by a neighbor or even somebody in the family. What is the church? Why is it so special to you? Why do you go to church? So as we think through that together, I hope you see and understand how important that definition is, how important it is of how we define the church. Because how you define what the church is will ultimately determine what you think of the church and how you interact with the church. And that's true for anything, right? How we define something will ultimately determine what we think of it and how we will interact with it. Relationships, marriage, job, activities, how we define something will determine what we think of it and how we interact with it. So, how you define the church what you believe the church to be will then determine how you think of your church and how then you choose to interact with your church. I don't want to belabor this point, but I want us to go back a few weeks to our adult vacation Bible school. And that alarming number shared with us that 70% of our covenant children will leave the church. And we're talking about not, not, not the kids out there, not the bad kids who aren't in church this morning here in the church, 7 out of 10, statistically speaking, will leave the church and ultimately walk away from Jesus and the faith when they graduate high school. When they go off to college, when they go to the military, they go off to the workforce, 70% of them are going to walk away from Christ and his church. And my gut reaction is that part of that number goes back to how we as the church and we as parents have defined the church and how we have taught our children what we think of the church by the way we act about the church and by the way we interact with it. So when we think of the church as just being another organization, then ultimately we're just going to treat it like that, won't we? If we think of the church like it's just like the Garden Club or the Lions Club or the PTO or the Booster Club or whatever organization it is, then that's what we will treat it like. It becomes another thing for us to do. Church is just something we have to do. Or if we think of the church as, as just an institution to be a part of, then we'll treat it like that as well. It just becomes another responsibility for us to take on. Now we've got to get our calendar out, and we have to try to figure out how we're going to fit, on, fit church on calendar with all the other things we are committed to, right? we got these activities and these activities and so on and so forth. Now we have to try to fit church into it. So when we think of the church as ultimately a human institution, when we define the church through mainly human means and ideas, then that will determine how we think of it and how we treat it. Church just becomes another thing. 
just becomes another responsibility, something else for us to, to get to and to do and to have to endure for another week. That's why I believe we find that so many people can stand in, in front of a church and, and make vows, membership vows, before the church and before God himself, including that vow that says, I promise to support the worship and work of this church to the best of my ability. They could take that vow and weeks later, months later, a couple years later, we start to see less and less of them as they make other activities and places a priority. Because deep down in their mind and hearts, what do they believe? That this church and this ministry is just like any other organization and institution. Right now is important. But when other things come along that we deem to be more important, then we push church off to the side. It's something we choose to attend when we feel like it. There's nothing else going on on that Sunday. I remember we have a family member who's really good with that passive-aggressive guilt. Or when we just need a a, a pick-me-up. As we've heard said before, we will always live out our priorities. Live out our priorities. So when our children see us treating the church like this, what are they going to learn? They're going to learn to emulate that behavior. They're going to learn the church isn't something special. It's mundane. It's a chore. It's something that can ruin a good summer afternoon of being at the river or at the lake or doing other things. And so 70% of our covenant children leave the church. May have been taught by words in Sunday school in a youth group that the church is special. But the experience has been, it's only special when something else doesn't come up and take precedence. When we live out our priorities, our children follow that path. So then, How you and I define the church has enormous consequences for ourselves, for our children, for their children, and for generations to come. So, how do you define the church? Well, this morning we we look at our Colossians passage to help us settle on a definition of the church. We find it in verse 18. And he is the head of the body of the church. So if somebody say to you, what is the church? You can say, well, I'm glad you asked that question. We just talked about it. It's the body of Christ, and he's the head of the church. But before we, we get into that particular definition, it's important we step back. And so we may first see and understand that Paul says, settles this definition down in the middle of his declaring the glory of Christ. And that's why we read this whole passage. Beginning in verse 15, Paul takes time to proclaim the glory of Jesus Christ. He's right to the Colossian church. He helped plant it. He's moved on. Now he's writing back to him. And kind of as he, as he gets through the end of introductions, he says, I just want to tell you all about the glory of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you how glorious our Lord and Savior is. So, so let, me, let me encourage you. We've already read through it, but take some time today or, or later on this week to go back over these verses and, and, and let each word and, and, and phrase and verse Settle into your mind and heart because what, what Paul glorifies here is our same Lord and Savior. That this is, 
This is the author of our faith, the author and perfecter of our faith, our, our elder brother, our, the anchor of our soul, our, our good shepherd. Who, who Paul, like very, it's like if we see the, the scroll we wrote on very excitedly, writes, he is the very image of the invisible God. Look, that's like, that's like 10 sermons, right? In that phrase right there. The very image of the invisible God. The one who, by whom, all things are created and for him all things are created. So now Paul gives us this phrase that we now take, we go back to Genesis 1 and 2, and now Genesis 1 and 2 kind of comes out like in, you know, technicolor, to, to be old school, right? To go back, 3D technicolor. What about creation? Well, creation is that it was by Christ all things were created, and all things were created for him. And he goes on and says, he is preeminent over all. It's in him that the fullness of the triumph God was pleased to dwell. And just this excited commentary on the glory of who Jesus is, what he has done, and what he will do for eternity. And you notice, in, in, in the middle of a Paul glorifying Jesus, talking about his glorious way, what does he do? He talks about the church. In the middle, bookend by these wonderful phrases of the glory of Christ, what does he say? This is who you are as the church. You, the Colossian church, and I'm writing to, this word that will be preserved for over 2,000 years to be read to Christians in Winsboro, South Carolina, which Paul had no idea about. Bethlehem, Winsboro, South Carolina, in the end of July 2022. This is who you are. And the glory of who Jesus is, you are the body of the glorious Christ, and that glorious Christ is the head of that body. So Paul is teaching us, very simply, when we think of the church, no matter what church you are a part of, no matter what church you were raised in, whenever you think of the church, you should think first, foremost, and eternally, it's about Jesus and his glory. So however you, you choose to word your definition, however you choose to think about the church, what should be the foundation, what should be pushing it on, what should be the end of it is Jesus and his glory. So the moment then you take away Jesus and his glory, there is no more church. So we're not talking about another human organization or institution where you have to go and pay your dues. Or you have to do the minimal amount so you can stay in good standing because you don't want to be in a small southern town and be those people who don't go to church because we whisper about you and we judge you for that. This isn't another institution where we have to learn the secret handshake. No, this church is the body of the glorious Christ. So what is the church? It's all about Jesus. We start with Jesus and his glory. We exist then for the glory of Christ. And there is something very profound about that, isn't it? The church isn't about my glory. It's not about your glory. It's not about anyone or anything else's glory. The church is here simply for the glory of Christ. Why do we exist? Well, we'll talk more about this, but this morning we'll say, we exist so we can give testimony to each other 
about the glory of Christ. We are all here because we have been profoundly changed by the glory of Christ. So we're here to give testimony to each other about the glory of Christ, but we're also here to give testimony to the world about the glory of Christ. What will make a group of people get out of bed on a Sunday morning, take a shower, hopefully you showered, put on your good clothes, and come to church? It's got to be the glory of Christ. So the church is for... And it's about Jesus and his glory. And we have to keep that in mind because it is easy and it's tempting to try and make the church about man. We see churches that exist solely because of the personality of the pastor. It's more of a church about that person than it is for Christ. It's more of a cult of personality than it is a church of Christ. You don't talk about where, you, know, you find that people don't necessarily talk about where they go to church. They talk about, oh, I go here because this is the cult of personality who's leading it. We find that other churches place great emphasis on genealogy. Whose family has been here the longest? Whose family has been sitting in the same pew for the longest? And they're the ones who matter most. We, we see churches that place emphasis on time at church. Once you've you know, been at your church, at that church a certain amount of time, then, then you matter more than anybody else. You've got this longevity, and your opinion matters more than especially those newcomers coming in. So it's easy and tempting to try and make the church about man. But when we define the church as Paul does, it stops all that, doesn't it? And it doesn't matter who's in the pulpit. The church exists for Christ and his glory. It doesn't matter about the family tree. The church exists for Christ and his glory. It doesn't matter how long you've been to church. The church exists for Christ and his glory. He has a wonderful thing for us to keep in mind. The church was here before you. Bethel ARP was here before you. And guess what? Bethel ARP will be here after us. Because it's not about us. It's about Christ and his glory. And that's the goal of every church. That's the goal that should be at the end of every decision made in church. It should be for Christ and his glory. Whatever the ministry is in the church, the goal of it should be for Christ and his glory. Everything in the church and with the church, everything associated with the church should be for Christ and his glory. And just take a moment and think about the implications of that for any church. They're, they're wonderful, isn't it? When we go this route... We're now freed from the strains and expectations of pleasing man, of, re, of, of these worldly expectations. Because we understand that the church is here for Christ and his glory, we only answer to one person, and who is that? It ain't me. It ain't session. It's Christ. Our one and only goal is to glorify Christ. Isn't that wonderful? I think that's, that's it for the church. Nothing else matters in the church when it's understood that the main reasons and purpose for that church is for, is for Christ and for his glory. So why are we here? Why is there a Bethel ARP? Because we exist for the glory of Christ. Not about you, not about me. It's for the glory of Christ. But the church also exists from the glory of Christ. For his glory and from his glory. It's always interesting to me to, to, when we think about the church, we, we think about it in terms 
They're defined for us as Ephesians 5 in the book of Revelation, where the church is defined as the bride of Christ. That's a very intimate relationship, right? This is more than a friendship. This is more than a buddy who you have your secret handshake with. The, the relationship is defined as the most intimate human relationship we can have. And God has chosen to define his relationship with the church in the most intimate of terms. And in that, we see that this is a relationship that comes from the glory of Christ. Christ is glorified through the church, and the church has been given to him because of his glory. We are here because we are here from his glory. When we read about Christ as the groom and the church as his bride, it's because of his glory. We can, you know, people are pretty uh, cocky and arrogant. We can say, oh, they think they're God's gift to, to whatever, right? Not a, you know, not a compliment. But it is here. We are a father's gift to the son because of the son's glory. Why as a church we are here from the glory of Jesus? Everything Paul just said is why the church has been given to him. He is the glorious Lord and Savior. He is the second person in the Trinity. He is Emmanuel. He is the one who is the firstborn of all creation. He is the one for whom and through whom and by whom all things have been created. He is the one who came to die for his church. We exist from the glory of Christ. We exist, therefore, to reflect his glory. Why are we here? Because Jesus is glorious and we exist from his glory. And that's why he is first and foremost the glorious head of the church. Make no mistake, we are here because Jesus is glorious. And the Father gives the Son to him as a gift. Not because we're so wonderful. Not because we're so great. But because Jesus is glorious. And he takes us in. And through his glory and his grace, he begins to enact that change in us as well. I always get a little chuckle when you meet people from, um, how we politely say this? We meet people who are from uh, uh, nice churches in, in, in downtown areas, bigger towns than us. And you say, well, we, are, uh, we, we go to such and such a church of such and such a town. Right? You should be impressed that their church has been there since before uh, the war between the states, maybe since before the Revolutionary War. And it's in this beautiful old southern town. And we're supposed to be impressed because that's who they are. They're Mr. and Mrs. Fancy Downtown Church. And, and the humor of it is they wouldn't exist except for the glory of Christ. They are not glorious in themselves because their church is beautiful and has been sitting there since he you is know, 18, you know, four, or eight or ten or whatever. That doesn't make them glorious. What makes them glorious is they come from the glory of Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter if you're in an esteemed downtown church or you're some backwoods, one-room shack of a church. Every church exists from the glory of Christ. 
It's a reminder of who we are, isn't it? We aren't special in of ourselves. We're special because Christ is first glorious and we have been given for his glory. So then what is the church? The church is the body of Christ, given for his glory and from his glory. Now we're going to spend some weeks talking about the implications of what it means to be the body of Christ, but I want to say this uh, real quickly for us this morning. When we think about the body, what is the body? It is a living organism. And the body needs itself. In order to be a healthy, operating, healthy uh, organism, living organism, it needs itself. You can't say that about other organizations and institutions because their head isn't the Son of God. They're simply organizations and institutions. They're nothing more. They're nothing less. It's only the church that is a living organism because it's the body of Christ. We're not a dead or dying group. We're the body of the living God. You go over church history and human history, and you realize how many times that the death of the church has been proclaimed over the past 2,000 years? Go to the book of Acts. And what was Saul out trying to do? He's out trying to kill the church. For 2,000 years, there have been those who have proclaimed that the church is dying or is dead. Guess what? We're not. We're still here. All those proclamations have never come true. Individual churches here and there have come and gone. But the church, overall body of Jesus, is here, still here, and will still be here until Jesus comes back. This is a wonderful reminder that we are a member of something that's living, that's vital, and it's eternal because the body of Christ is the eternal body. The church will never go away because Jesus will always be here. And we need this church. When you think of your church, do you think of it as something living that you're a part of? Not an institution, not an organization. It's a living organism. Do you think of it as needing the church? Do you wake up on Sunday morning going, I need church. After I get my first cup of coffee, and all that, I need the church. I need the ministries that the church offers to me. To come to Sunday school and learn about the book of Ecclesiastes. To come to, to worship and to worship with your fellow believers. To go to a women's Bible study. To, to come to prayer group. To, to go to youth study or youth groups. All these are part of a vital diet for the body of Christ and we need the church and her ministries. You cut off the hand from a body, what happens to that hand? Does it continue crawling around? Only in horror movies. You cut off any part of the body, take away from the body what happens? That body part dies. My hands need my arms. My arms needs my torso. And the minute you take away any part of the body, it dies. The minute you take yourself away from the church, and you no longer think it's vital, you will start dying. So what is the church? It is a glorious body and a glorious Christ. Because we are here for his glory. We come from his glory. We are a living organism that needs the church. So we define the church this way, then we, this will define how we think of the church and then how we'll interact with the church. 
No longer is it about me. No longer is it about uh, keeping the family heritage going. No longer is it about social standing. This is all about Christ and for his glory. His glory here on earth and for our good and his glory. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. So then, this makes the church one of the highest priorities, one of the highest earthly priorities for his people. Because by the, by the very name of Jesus, or by the very name of Christian, we, we put on the name of Christ. And when we and we're called to, to make his ways first. He is the head of the body. And the head of the body says that church is important, then church is important. That's why Augustine famously said, You can't have God as your father without the church as your mother. That's not Catholic, that's Christian. To have God as your father in that saving fashion means that you see the church as the glorious body of Christ. As we look at the state of the world around us now, the world needs more church, not less church. As we look around the state of the church in the United States, it needs more church, not less church. It needs more people to understand, to be convicted by, and to live out that we are the body of Christ. We are here for his glory. We are here from his glory. We are a living organism. It's Christ first. It's for me to live as Christ. That is what the church is meant to be. And that will be our goal and our study for the next few weeks. I hope y'all will continue along with me in this. But let's pray together now. Father, we, we thank you that you make all things that are necessary for our salvation known to us. That you make all things known for our growth in faith uh, known to us as well. And as we find the church, where we come to hear your word read, the words of salvation, where we are encouraged to live out our salvation. Lord, help us to understand that this is indeed your body the body of Jesus Christ, of which he is the head, is for his glory, from his glory, and we need this. Help us continue to grow in this manner. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll find your bulletin on the second page, we have uh, our confession of faith, which is the Apostles' Creed, and then we will take time to confess what we believe Scripture teaches us as well, the doctrine of Scripture from our shorter catechism.